This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. March 9, 1964. Civil rights protesters have forced the San Francisco hotel industry to agree to end discrimination in hiring. The agreement is brokered by Mayor Kevin Shelley after demonstrators staged a two-day sit-in that shut down the Sheraton Palace Hotel on Market Street. It was one of a series of such actions. There had been protests at Mel's Diner in November, and the next target would be the Cadillac dealers on Van Ness Auto Row. I talked about the Palace Hotel incident a year ago on Not Your Century, and I'll refer you to that episode for more details of the story. The episode is dated March 8, 2019, and the title is 1964, Civil Rights at the Palace Hotel. If your podcast app displays links, you'll find one in the description of this episode. One of the details I talked about a year ago was the leader of the demonstrations, 18-year-old Tracy Sims. Most of the demonstrators were white college students. She was black, and she dropped out of SF State. The Chronicle reported in 64 that when the agreement was announced, the demonstrators carried her out of the hotel on their shoulders. I wanted to interview her for that episode last March, but I couldn't get a hold of her. Well, now I have, and we talked last month. She's now Tamam Tracy Moncourt. She's 74 years old. She left activism after the palace protests, and you'll hear her talk about why, and also that she's gotten back into it a little bit lately. She's been going to anti-Trump protests. She moved to New York to be with her mom, who'd just moved there, and she eventually graduated from Rutgers and got a master's from Montclair State. She married the jazz trombonist Gratian Monker III and worked as a musician for a while, before a long career as a teacher, mostly in the Newark public schools. She's retired now, she's a poet, and she helps run a soup kitchen in Newark. We connected online. Among other things you're going to hear her talk about are hearing Martin Luther King Jr. at the Oakland Auditorium when she was a little girl, and then being blown away by a not-quite-famous-yet Malcolm X when she was a student at Berkeley High. I started out by asking her what she remembers about the anti-discrimination protests at the Palace Hotel in 1964. Those were very exciting times. They really were, um, you know, exhilarating. We were, you know, like on a, on a mission, you know, determined to join in what was going on in the country at the time. And the whole country, across the country, was just on fire for civil rights, you know, and just better ways for people. It was fantastic. I'm going to describe you the way the Chronicle and probably a lot of other publications and broadcasters did at the time. An 18-year-old girl, uh, how did you come to be, and this is also quoting from the Chronicle, the mastermind of the anti-discrimination demonstrations that shut down the Palace Hotel? How did you get to be at the, at the front of the charge? I wouldn't say mastermind uh, because my... Um, history with civil rights. A couple friends of mine and myself started Students for Equality at Berkeley High School. We started in Berkeley High School. We joined, you know, the picket line, the Woolworth Sympathy Picket Lines, which were in support of Dr. King. You know, we were a young on-fire group, and we demonstrated right there on campus. And um, so it sort of led to that for me. It wasn't the first experience, but uh, actually the way, because I was, I think because I was articulate, I was a member of the Du Bois Club, and 
I was articulate and went on picket lines. I didn't like a dead picket line. And I loved the Freedom Singers at that time. So we'd sing, you know, this little light of mine, woke up this morning with my mind on freedom. And But I really believe that it fell on my shoulders because I was articulate and I was black and there weren't that many black members of the Du Bois Club. I sent you these newspapers so that you could sort of uh, remind yourself of what happened in those days. And the funny thing you said to me was, uh, well, I guess I got sued for $50,000. I didn't remember that. No, I didn't remember that at all. So I guess you must not have lost that lawsuit. I uh, know. <laughs> I say, ooh, don't tell me I owe somebody $50,000. <laughs> and aside from the lawsuit, you were, you were arrested during this uh, final weekend. You had been arrested several times before. And uh, something that you said to the newspaper that I thought was really interesting was that like, it doesn't really matter how many times you've been arrested. That's not really a sign that someone is, uh, is dedicated. What's the sign that they're dedicated is that they're there every day doing the hard work. Yeah. You know, because we were broken up into groups for trials, groups of 12. And, um, some people did, some groups did get convicted in my group. Everybody was, uh, you know, let go except for me. I was the only one convicted. And that, you know, being 18, see, that that's when I really realized that, um, because that, that like, um, really tore me apart. And I said, oh, what? How can that be? You know, it was one thing for uh, an entire group to be convicted, but it was another thing for me, for me to be the only one. And I think that's when um, I sort of back, you know, started backing up and backing off uh, because that was a blow. That was a real blow. What were the ramifications of you being convicted? What were you convicted of and were you fined or did you have to do any time or probation? It was a mis- it was misdemeanor. It was I would have done three months and I do have friends that did their three months. But, um, you know, I, they appealed it. And at that time, I, I think I went to work for one of the lawyers. All I remember is his last name was Gary, you know, as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember really uh, be, because the Cadillac demonstrations came after that. I might have gone a couple of times, but I kind of backed out, you know. Um, and then my mother, because we were from Hunter's Point, and my mother... Um, moved back to New York to rejoin my father, who had lived in New York all that time. My brother ended up going with her, and she told me, she said, oh, you know, you need to come out here. You need to come out here. So in the end, that's what I did. I regret that. That's like I said, that was my immaturity. Instead of, you know, seeing it through to the end, seeing it through to jail time and everything else, uh, I got into my, oh, that's not fair. My principal group, my principal, my principals. And, you know, no, I'm the only one convicted. No. And so I ended up, you know, uh, coming back east, relocating or coming back to New York, you know, to join my mother. I want to go back to that weekend at the Palace Hotel. The The demonstrations and picketing had been going on for a couple of weeks, but things really came to a head on that Friday night, March 6, when uh, hundreds of people came and picketed and eventually sat in the lobby. Uh, and that lasted till 
what uh, what we journalists call early Sunday morning and normally normal people, I think, call late Saturday night. What do you remember about that weekend? You know, I remember the energy. I remember the dedication. You know, I remember just being super excited at the way in which we were being supported by the community. They came from all over the Bay Area. And while you were uh, demonstrating, and I think because you were demonstrating, the mayor, uh, Kevin Shelley, was uh, trying to broker negotiations with the hotels all over the city to reach a deal on hiring practices. And there came an announcement uh, sometime during the day on Saturday, uh, no deal. There was no deal. And at that point, the demonstrators blocked the doors and that launched the police into arrest, making mass arrests. There were 167 arrests, the biggest mass arrest in the history of the city at that time. And that's where there was a, a disagreement between some of the older NAACP leaders and you and some of the younger demonstrators about whether that was a good tactic. Uh, do you remember that argument or that uh, what that decision or whether it was a decision or it just happened? But it, walk me through that. You know, we were in it to win it, and at that time, that's what that that was the climate of the country. You know, in the South, you know, uh, people were marching, picketing, singing. Of course, they were getting hosed and, you know, uh, being treated very brutally. And I think that was the real motivating. No, we're not going to compromise. No. You know, this is what this is. These are the demands. This is what we want. You know, uh, it's time out for uh, discrimination. In this case, it was with jobs. Because the best you could do at a hotel then was as a maid. You did not have any upfront people. You didn't see them at all. What was that? The 1960s? California? You know. Uh, so, um, you know, it was all or nothing. That, that was the attitude of the young people. You know, I understand because I'm older now and I can understand, you know, uh, older people tend to be a little bit more conservative because you see things from a whole lot of different perspectives. But we were young. And when I say the country was just lit up with uh, certain areas of the country, you know, just in support of what was going on and in support, you know, and when, when, when others like in the South, they're going, getting, you know, with the freedom rides, with, with, with being hosed down. No, no. You know, we weren't going, we weren't going to accept that at all. You made a comment uh, saying that th this was a, a great sign that uh, the civil rights movement had come to the North. Dick Gregory made a comment saying, I've, I've been in Georgia and I've been in Alabama and it's just as bad here. Was that hyperbole or, or do you have any idea what he meant by that? You know what? Uh, we used to say it is, you know, it's a different type. It was a different type of segregation, but it had in the end, not of course, if you were murdered, but I went to school in Berkeley and when I came out, at, I was in junior high, Burbank Junior High. And then the ninth grade was attached to the junior high. So when you left eighth grade, you were going into, uh, you know, high school. So the counselor called me in and had the nerve to tell me I did not have the ability to take college prep classes. 
that I needed to take typing uh, or cooking or whatever. Well, I had the type of mother you weren't going to run that by. I had the type of mother that all I had to do was go home and tell her, and she took care of it. But I had a friend, and I always think about this friend, who she wanted to be a pediatrician. She wanted to be a doctor, but her father was a widower. There were six of them, and he worked two jobs. So she didn't, he could not come in the same way my mother could come in and, you know, uh, speak with the counselor. And, but that was the type of thing that we, you know, that, 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 um, we had to face and overcome. No, it wasn't overt, but it was still, you know, and police, my brother got stopped often by the police. He was never brutalized, but the same thing, stop and search, you know, search him, frisk him, whatever. That existed here, and, or it existed in California as well. I remember definitely, because we used to go up on the University of California campus and hang out. And that's where we met students there who were students there at the school. And, oh, they'd have talk and they'd school us. And I also, and this had to be for, before Malcolm X was super famous, I distinctly remember him coming. There was a smaller room, and I heard him speak, and he blew my mind. You know, I was just totally... so. What am I saying? I'm saying those times, at that time, there was so much going on. You know, like I said, we were picketing on Saturdays anyway, going up to the university. I got to hear Malcolm X, and then, of course, I heard Dr. King in person, and I was about, ooh, maybe uh, eight or nine, but uh, we went to the Oakland Auditorium, and all the other speakers, it was like, oh, it was, you know, they were kind of boring for somebody my age. But when Dr. King came on, it's like he mesmerized me. It's like, oh, you know, he just caught, I got caught up, you know, as a, I, I was young, I know that. But I got caught up in, you know, what he was telling and, in, and what he was saying and just in terms of the need to support what was that, what was going on in the country you know at this time when the uh, the deal comes through back to the hotel the deal comes through and they announce that uh they've brokered this deal and the hotels have all agreed to fair hiring practices and you got up on a table according to the newspaper and you said we got everything you wanted and then according to the newspaper people carried you out of the hotel on their shoulders uh do you remember that did that happen <laughs> As my senior, my, you know, in all honesty, as I said, because I was so devastated by what happened afterwards, I think when I came to the East Coast, I blocked a lot of that out of my mind. I wanted to start a new life, start, you know, just do something different. And so, I, like I said, I came back here. And I didn't know because I still, as of now, I owe California time. You know, I want to forget all that. I really did. Mm -hmm. You know, I must have done a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you go. But uh, is there anything I should have asked you? Anything else you want to say? The only thing is that, you know, because now I call myself an irate black woman, which is what because 
of what we're going through now because it hurts me deep inside the very thing we were talking about how electrified this country was at that time and for us to take a giant step backwards you know it's very crushing uh actually it has the effect of making me extremely angry of course we have uh the vote coming up you know once the democrats decide on who you know is going to take the helm and we just got to get people out, do the best we can, uh, you know, to get people out and get people, you know, to vote. But that because it, it, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. But that's what's motivating me now in my old age. <laughs> to mom, Tracy Moncour. She was 18 years old when she was the leader of the anti-discrimination protests at the Palace Hotel in 1964. That resulted in an agreement by the city's hotels to end discrimination in their hiring practices. I'm King Kaufman, and this has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Get great journalism today and support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. We now return you to your century.